1: A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com.
0: This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds. And while you are see-through... The world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted, go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. You stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains, spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs, Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 162 of Confessions for a Marketer, demystifying digital marketing. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Marty McDonald is in to discuss digital marketing in the COVID-19 era and lots more. We'll get to that in a minute. So we have three more episodes of Confessions of a Marketer left with David Etheridge on progressive web apps, Nicholas Vandenberg on B2B SaaS products, and Keith Cartwright on On starting his new agency, Cartwright, which he started with the backing of WPP amid COVID-19 and the racial tensions, he also discusses creative audacity and his side hustle Saturday Morning, a nonprofit that aims to bring awareness to and shift perceptions of racial bias and injustice. I think we'll go out with a flourish of great content. As I like to say, stay tuned. So Confessions of a Marketer will go on hiatus so I can pursue some other ideas in the podcasting area. The ideas are coming together, and I'll share once I know the details. But I want to thank you for listening the past three years, and I also want to extend my thanks to the great guests for the discussions we've had Every one of those chats has been interesting. I feel like I became a better marketer because of them, and in fact, a better person. So thanks for being part of the discussion. I'll probably put together a look back on the podcast at some point, so stay tuned for that.
1: If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit org today.
0: Okay, on to Marty McDonald. Marty is co-founder and CEO of Bad Rhino a full-service social media marketing agency. He likes developing unique and customizable strategies for his clients. I wanted to get together with him to discuss his approach and also find out his point of view on marketing in the COVID-19 era. It was a fun discussion. Let's get to it. Marty, thanks for joining me on Confessions of a Marketer, all the way from Philadelphia.
1: How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yeah, I have too. I, I'd love to hear your background and if you could tell me, you know, about what Bad Rhino does. Absolutely.
1: So my background, I started marketing for me started as a hobby, 17, well, 18 years ago, right around now, actually, in 2002. I was hanging out with my brother around Easter time, that's how I know it was right around now. Mm-hmm. And he just had mentioned something about Google AdSense or whatever it was called back then and tell me about some things that he was doing and I became enamored with it pretty quickly. I just started looking at he selling some products and doing some basic very basic marketing. Ie put a dollar in and get a dollar 25 back and he was right. like it seems pretty cool. So him and I like went into like a little challenge and I took it on myself to kind of take it more than just a challenge of making a car payment or a mortgage payment. I just wanted to do it. And I started playing around with affiliate products and a whole host of other things. And way back then it was like the wild West, you know, you do whatever you could sell, whatever felt so open and and different because it was a landscape that is totally different than it is today. Right, And I started going and utilizing it in my day job, which I was a headhunter. And I started leveraging marketing techniques to pull in different candidates and people to talk to. And that worked out really well. And about two years or so after that, when I started in 2004, I was in a networking meeting and I still to this day don't know how it happened, but I was there with uh, older professionals. They were getting closer to retirement or looking to sell their business And they were looking to add on basic email newsletters and even adding a website. And basically, I said, I can help you do that. And I quickly had one client. I did that for them. And then I quickly had 10 others and had like a mini side business. And that took me all the way through and eventually became Bad Rhino. And Bad Rhino is, you know, we're now a digital agency in our 10th year. And we started off and we still do lead with social media marketing.
0: Yeah. So you made it through the Great Recession
1: 12 years ago. (laughs) My marketing actually helped me do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and now we're facing Mm COVID-19. And what do you see going on there from a digital marketing perspective?
1: So, you know, at the beginning of it, it was like everybody wanted to stop everything. And you saw some dramatic changes in people that were in the game. We saw traffic costs dropped, they plummeted. Traffic was cheap for about like a week and a half. And that was because everybody was retooling everything. And then what we saw as things progressed is an increase in our services as well as an increase in ad spend, but a little bit differently. We also saw the numbers go up pretty high, which has been interesting. So when things first started, everybody paused. So traffic became a little bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. The people that were in it, and the clients that stayed in there were like, wow, this is awesome. We're getting more traffic and better all the fun acronyms, CPC, CPM, etc." Yep. They were all excited about it. But then as more and more people jumped in and then you had a lot of people who hadn't been doing any advertising online, they jumped in as well because it's a great avenue right now everything started to spike up. So it's been an interesting ride when you have you know, something that you can't control, that's basically controlling every aspect of your life to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah it
0: turned the world upside down. But it has pushed, for example, I know a lot of people in the event business mm-hmm. and events aren't happening anymore. They're happening online.
1: So things are moving from the physical world to the digital world. Absolutely. It was starting to trend that way at the beginning in 2018, I saw a lot of larger clients, what you would just kind of, for the easiest term is like your corporate clients, your your larger ones that are out there that have multiple facets to their marketing. You started to reach out and start to incorporate things, not necessarily Zoom meetings for everything, but started introducing more along the lines of virtual events to mm-hmm. supplement their live events. What they were finding were people were traveling, but they weren't enamored to travel as much. So they are trying to catch both sides of it. Say, maybe you're only sending one person to this event, but we want you to get a full experience. So the trend is was there. We saw it early on and it is something now that is just moving full force because you're not having any events. You don't have any events on the calendar. And a lot of many companies use those events as huge revenue generators. They're a huge expense, but they also get a very big ROI and they invest in them. You know, the more and more you talk, I was never in events marketing per se, but the more and more you talk to the marketing managers and the CMOs, they, they'll say, yeah, we have a five-year plan for this event. So like year one might be Let's get our name out there year two let's sponsor something year three we hope to have one keynote speaker in a session plus we're gonna do this year four and five we re- we should be killing it so to speak and recoup everything and then some but each year they were still generating a ton of revenue from there and it leaves their sales teams at a disadvantage at the moment because you know you have to think short term and then you also you can't forget about the strategic long term and everybody's in a little bit of flux yeah.
0: So I want to talk about your business and what you Mm -hmm. do, and I want to find out how you help clients with digital marketing to not just do digital marketing, but get results. Sure.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I don't think, I know we've always been results-based. We have clients that work with us just from a brand perspective, and they want somebody to manage their presence. We do that as well but everybody wants some sort of result. In fact, I mean, I've never really entered into anything marketing-wise without trying to get, you know, a short-term goal and then a long-term goal and then what success looks like on both of those. So we always try at the outset, at the best we can, because you do uncover many landmines as you go through, but we try to uncover what are your goals with this? You know, what are you trying to do? Where are your clients, where are your customers? What do they look like? What's your best customer? And not necessarily create avatars, that's kind of thrown around a lot. Like we gotta create these four or five customer avatars, blah, blah, blah. What I wanna do is get into the data. My team does a great job of starting to pull out that, saying, all right, let's take a look at what you're currently doing and where your success lies on digital. And if they have had some success, you start to mine that success and you start at that point and say, okay, this is what we want to do because we know it works, but here's what we can do to tweak it and help them understand where the results come from. You know, many times you'll start a campaign and say it's a paid campaign specifically for one product. And you'll see a jump in another product that they have on their site. And, sometimes those things you know, you, you have to understand and how it works. And educating the client is usually huge on actually what those results are. Many of them just look at it and say, oh, we just want revenue. Okay, great. But you're missing the bigger picture. Like who's coming to your website? Where are they staying on your site? How are they doing that? Now I'm just, that's mainly an e-commerce example I'm giving right now. Yeah. But you wanna make sure that you understand when the traffic is coming in, where they're going, what they're doing and how they're taking action. In other times, you really want to make sure everybody's on the same page with that strategic goal. You know, like what's your brand? What types of content do you want to get in there? Because, you know, we have clients in the same industry obviously, and you'll talk to one and they're so happy with a ton of engagement, more email opt-ins, you know, a whole host of things that don't necessarily directly ring the telephone or make the cash register go. And then you have other ones that are only focused on the bottom line. And it's just, they're both happy because we're driving results, but you have to understand what they want to get out of it. And that's really the key on the front end, because we've missed the mark early on saying, okay, we're just driving the sales or we're just driving this. And that wasn't what the client necessarily wanted. So you want to listen to them and then help them understand where these results come from and To just kind of sum it up is like you almost want to demystify what digital marketing is for them because many don't know. Surprisingly, even in 2020, they don't understand how it all works together, especially when you're running on multiple platforms and have multiple page strategies along with you know large content pieces that are going out. Some people think I've got a website doing (laughs) digital marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean there's so many different levels, and I always thought six years ago when we we didn't rebrand, but we made a focus to become more of a digital agency at Bad Rhino, where we did provide just about everything and still do through partners and through our team. I had this whole thing, I'm like, wow, people are finally understanding this. And I couldn't have been more wrong. And it's because the internet and social media, which is kind of one and the same now, they've all been growing together and they change so rapidly. Even when you don't have a, a pandemic going on, things change rather quickly. And it's keeping up with that. What you find is some people love the marketing thing like I do, like you can market the same way or very similar that you did a hundred years ago. The mediums have just changed. You just have to tailor that message to a Facebook or an Instagram, etc. But I always thought, you know, six years ago when we went through that little change in our organization that, wow, people are really getting this. And it's, again, it's not that they don't understand some of it, but- They just don't have time to keep up with it because they have other things that they do. And that's really where Bad Rhino comes in as our agency and fill that gap. If they have a team or if they don't have a team at all, you know, we can do the whole thing.
0: Yeah, I see. How did you come up with the name Bad Rhino?
1: (laughs) Well, number one, we kept the name Bad Rhino because everyone asked that question. It's a great conversation starter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But my business partner, Rich, who's awesome and pretty much the exact opposite of me in many ways, which makes us great partners.
0: Yeah, that's good for a business, isn't it's it? It's huge.
1: Have different I, yeah. skill
0: sets and different personalities.
1: Yeah, he is, I can't speak highly enough of him. One, he's a very smart guy, but two, he is the exact opposite of me. I'm big picture, think two years down the road, what else is coming? He thinks day to day and kind of keeps everything rolling, which is awesome. He came into my office. We were actually working together, my last job actually. And uh, his too. And he came in my office and said, I'm looking to do something different. I don't want to do this anymore. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, you have to work through the end of the year because he agreed to give me six months. And he started laughing. He goes, no, no, no. He's like, I'm not going to walk out on you. And he came up with a concept. And this is 2010, remember, of creating an agency just around social, Mm right? Right and there's no paid platforms there's no really way to track anything but he had started a brand called cornonthejob.com where he was helping job seekers in 2007 8 and 9 with free advice and he built the brand 100% on social media all organically hmm. and he's like i feel like this is going to be something that you know is going to really take off. And at the time I was in there looking at my desk and I have a note from the CEO and the CFO to develop a recruiting strategy around social media. He's talking to me about a couple of things that just came across my desk like a few weeks ago. And I said, all right, Rich, and here's the, where the name comes in. I said, if you come up with a cool name, I'm in, I'll help you get started at least. <laughs> and That's
0: incentive, right?
1: Yeah. And knowing Rich, and this is why we're good business partners. I'm like, Rich is going to look at this 85 different ways. It's going to take him two weeks. He might even forget that he had this idea. And let me just see what happens. Well, he came back in my office about 45 minutes later, raced the whiteboard, wrote down 12 names. I can't remember the other 10, but one of them was Moosehorn and the other one was obviously Bad Rhino. And that was the day it was born and we started building it off from there.
0: So tell me about building that business and what Uh the experience was like. I started my own consulting business about 10 years ago and <laughs> what i found is that things start to happen when you commit to doing it so Absolutely. until if you don't take that step on off the plank you know <laughs> you'll never start it and so mm-hmm. so you have to have kind of a little bit of you know luck first of all, and you have to have some guts to actually take the step to leave the comfort of a corporation and start your own business.
1: Yeah. Well, it wasn't the first time I was involved in a startup. I mean, I wasn't a principal, but I was involved as an employee. So I knew like what I was getting into from that standpoint. And when you do, you're hundred percent correct. You don't really get the full gist of it until things start happening and you do push off the edge of the dock and just go out to sea, and you're just wandering around. I think like the two biggest things when you do that is you have to be in the right mindset, right? So the first one was as best I could to make sure financially you're kind of set. And if I had to go back and do it again, I probably would have built like at least another three, four months of (laughs) reserves. Yeah, But I also tell you too, if I didn't, jump off at the point I jumped off, we may not be here. We may not be having this conversation, right? So there's like a fine line, like you have to trust yourself, but then you're also going to second guess yourself the entire time, right? So it does take a ton of guts and anybody that does it, you know, I'm always interested in talking to those people, but I'm also interested in talking to people that had failing businesses as well. And sometimes that doesn't make a ton of sense to some people. Like, well, why would you listen to them? I'm like, you can learn a ton as long as they're open and honest about what they went through from that. And it's always interesting. The mindset you have to have is, like you said, you know, you have to be ready to go. And once you go, there's no turning back. And, you know, when we started, Rich took over the lion's share of everything. At first, I was tied into some stock options that I couldn't get out of and I didn't want to get out of until they matured. Sure. So I was then kind of in part-time advising him on everything. So it was like a dual job for a while, for about a year and a half. And then we started to land some conversations with larger clients and I wanted to stay in my current job just a touch longer to recoup some additional things. But I was like, at the same time, I'm like, if I don't go, we're never going to land these clients. And we had a couple part-time people that were working with Rich and we signed the lease for the office. And once we got the office, I was like, well, we're committed now because we have something here. And everything started to fall into place. I mean, we were growing and we still continue to grow month over month since we started, which has always been great. But at the same time, there was that point and you just have to go. And once you went, it was amazing like how many other things fell into place.
0: Yeah. Making that commitment is the key step. It's not coming up with the idea. Right. It's not sketching out a business plan. It's not saying, oh, I can get some clients. It's actually doing it.
1: 100% true. Yeah. It is yeah. not only doing it, but then making sure that you're, you're providing value and you're getting value back and then – planning for the unknown as best as he can.
0: Yeah, yeah. So to close, I want you to give some of the listeners out there who work with agencies some advice on how clients should work with an agency so that the relationship works for
1: both sides. Absolutely. So whether you're working with a new agency or existing agency, I find we'll have many times – a client come to us or potential client and say, I need to switch agencies. And probably to the detriment of landing a client, I will not necessarily talk them out of it, but I'll walk them through this process, which is like the precursor of working with us, um, which will answer your question. So I'll say, okay, well, where are they missing the mark? And tell me a little bit more about their process. Tell me a little bit more of why they're missing that mark. And can you fix the process that you're in? And just let them talk. Just let the client or potential client talk. And what you'll normally uncover is a communication issue. Now, the communication issue can either be repaired or it can't be. Well, a lot of times what I find with our larger clients is that they're getting bounced around from account manager to account manager. So there's no cohesiveness Um, And they're frustrated by that. And that's somewhat hard to repair because even if that agency comes back and says, I guarantee you this person will be the account manager. there's really no guarantee there that they feel comfortable with. The next thing is, is just talking to them again about those results. Like what did you expect? And then talk to them about, all right, well, what were you spending to get that result? What's your cost per lead in your business for a sale? What is a good, you know, lead? Is it if I give you $200 leads and they close, would you be happy with that? Do you have enough margin in there or whatever the number is? Sure. And just start to feel through those things and then advise them on, you know, whether that's fixable or not. So the main points there's, that's the starting point of the conversation. But if someone's going to hire an agency, what you want to look for is that you internally have an understanding of what you need out of that relationship. And, the entry point should be a handful of goals and a handful of projects or to-dos. Then from there, that relationship should evolve because you start to see success. You want to ask the agency, when should I start to see some sort of return? And if that agency says day one, they're probably lying. They're (laughs) crazy. Right? What you're looking for is a buildup to that. We've been doing it for so long that we're lucky that We'll always say, look, where we're looking to hit stride is within 60 days of certain things. Others are going to take longer, but let's get down to your core things here, what you absolutely need, and we'll give you the appropriate time frame. And we'll start to work off of that. And then expectations... What we do is we provide them with a whole 100-day schedule. We provide them with mile markers where we're going to check in to look at certain things. And then we're also going to tell them, like, this is what we need from you. And it should be a a give and take. An agency shouldn't work in a silo, and the client should be giving that agency as much information as possible so that they're not guessing on things. And if you can just communicate at that level, you're going to eliminate any problem that you have with any agency. Now, the caveat to that is many times we get work from a new client because the agency was basically couldn't do what they said. So, vet your agency and make sure when you go to sign on that you ask them the appropriate questions. Don't necessarily rely on just references. They're a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you want to just ask them the questions that you're trying to get done and the success that you want to see with that agency. And that would be my short version of that you know, answer.
0: Yeah. One thing that you want to avoid having happen that does happen occasionally between client and agency is an us and them kind of yes. feel.
1: It should be a team, right? It should be as cohesive as possible. It's tough. To have some of that cohesiveness at times, like ones that we're working with when we're working with our marketing department and somebody on my team is working with them, I'll always say to our account manager, make sure you over communicate a bit. You want to make sure that, you know, on a Friday, don't be afraid to send out a quick email around lunch or call or text message or whatever, or something in a base camp or a Slack and just say, Hey, I hope you guys are having a great planning, a great weekend. Make sure that everything's covered. If I missed anything this week or you need anything, let me know. And I said, because most of the time on a Friday, that's when somebody's either starting to check out, but they're planning their week. And it's just a little comfort level, like that, yeah. hey, we're on top of things. And that gets lost in the shuffle if you're operating in that silo. And if you do that and you lead that way, many times the clients will start to follow and they'll give you a heads up earlier rather than dropping a bomb on you, so to speak, last minute where everybody's scrambling.
0: Yeah. That happens, really? <laughs> it
1: happens a lot, more than I'd like to admit, for sure. But it does happen. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that was great advice, Marty. Thanks for being my guest here on Confessions of a Marketer. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure having you here. All right. Next time, David Etheridge on progressive web apps. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is Copyright 2020. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Stay healthy and see you next time.